Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. We're producing this episode for Good Crowd Info, and we're excited to have as a special guest today, Matt Dalio, who is the founder and CEO of Endless Computer. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Devin, for having me. I'm excited Matt, to talk to you. Matt, uh, your product really got me excited. I, I, I confess I have never done this before. You know, I've backed a lot of campaigns on Kickstarter, but I have never been so intrigued by one that I backed it just so I could get in touch with the founder to have him on my show, but I just love what you're doing. Tell everyone about the Endless Computer. Yeah, so um, uh, first, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so we had an insight a couple years ago. Um, it, it was, uh, um, so four and a half billion people don't have computers. Uh, that wasn't the insight, that was just sort of a known fact, but the insight was everyone already has a monitor in their home. It's called a television. and People can afford the CPU tower that plugs into that tele into that monitor. Uh, it's called a smartphone, and that if you could use a smartphone processor, the same processor that's in a smartphone, it's also in the same processor that's in a set-top box, um, to power a full desktop operating system, you could now make a desktop computer that was affordable to uh, quite literally a few billion more people. Um, so we. Uh, went underway to build that and we discovered that there's no operating system really that, that lets you do that. There's no viable uh, desktop operating system. Uh, and so we had to build it ourselves. And, and what really I mean by that is that we were able to take uh, Linux, which is historically an engineer's operating system, a more advanced operating system. Uh, and we were able to simplify it down so it's as easy as a tablet. Um, and that became sort of the, the first uh, insight that, you know, that we had about what the operating system should look like is use something that they know. But the really exciting stuff came when we started to realize what you could do with a computer now that it's in the hands of, of people in this market. And we just spent a ton of time in people's homes, uh, understanding what their needs, challenges were, how they use technology, how they didn't use technology, how they wanted to, uh, how they didn't realize fully that they could. Um, and, and we started building answers for that. Um, and so the single biggest insight we had was that um, people don't have internet connectivity, and that's actually in many cases a bigger issue than the cost of the device itself. The internet connection for a couple months will cost more than, the, than a real computer. Um, and so we found ways of getting them the same things that they look for on the internet. So education materials, things like Wikipedia and Khan Academy, farming information, health information, and pre-installing it onto the device. Um, and so what we've ended up with is, is uh, a computer that um, is both luxurious. We, 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 uh, the thing we heard from everyone was, I don't want the cheapest computer I can afford. I want the nicest computer I can afford. And so we built a computer that you and I would be proud to have on our desks um, and that they would be proud to have on our desks. Um, but it's also fully tailored for them. This is really a, a tremendous insight. So are you partnering with World Possible to create for the uh, content? World Possible has been wonderful. Uh, they, they've, uh, so World Possible creates content for USB sticks. They have something called Rachel, and the idea is plug it into computers, and now they've got all this content. Um, and, and we've actually, um, our, our, our foundation has been supporting them as well, um, and we are just totally aligned. You know, it, there's just not that many people who are working on technology for those who don't have technology. You know, like, why, why would you? 
um, at first blush? And the answer is there's a whole lot of people and for the first time they're about to have technology. And, and so when we find partners who get that and who, who share the insights, it, it's been you know really special. Yeah. Well, you can imagine how uh, life-changing it is to have someone uh, deliver to you a device that not only has the ability to compute, but has a, a vast and almost inconceivably vast library of information. Uh, forget that you're not connected to the Internet. It would be life-changing, wouldn't it? It's funny. So I, I was um, talking recently with somebody who, who bought an encyclopedia in, in the country of Guatemala, and it, it seems inconceivable, but he bought a $700 encyclopedia set. Um, and this was not a wealthy person. They were able to finance it, and that's how they paid it down over three years. And why did he buy that? He bought that because that was education for his kids. That's information, right? In other words, it, you know, uh, and I can tell you stories about like parents not knowing the answer to their kid's homework question of, what is the name of our country's president? They knew the last name, but not the first name. And where do you find that information? The answer was they turned it in blank. And so that's why this person spent $700 on an encyclopedia. Pre-installed in every computer, we have a segment of Wikipedia that is five times the size of the Encyclopedia Britannica. And to us here in, you know, here in Silicon Valley, it's Wikipedia is just sort of a given, you know, it's, it's a base assumption, right? You know, we expect where's the long tail there. They just want, they want the chunk that everyone's searching for. They want the, they want the, you know, the fat part of the, of the tail. Yeah. Uh, Cause just knowing to be able to look up the country's president is the difference between being a student or not being an effective student or not. Yeah. Well, it, it is huge. It is huge. So what about localization? Uh, there is a meaningful percentage of the world's poor, the 4.5 billion people you're talking about without computers who speak English, but probably a bigger number that don't. How do you localize into non-English languages? Great question. So localization, I'll answer that in two different ways. One is um, uh, language and, and, and content. Um, and the other is what it means to localize for a geography and a socioeconomic strata. So to localize for, for um, a, a, a language, um, there's an extremely robust um, existing, this is one of the incredible things, Linux is one of those, those incredible engines. And so the localization infrastructure that came with it was extremely powerful. We have added an enormous amount of additional localization infrastructure um, from, a, from a language and content perspective. Um, so very important. Um, and we're focused right now on Spanish and English as the two primary languages where we're uh, putting our content um, focus. We're all, we also have an Arabic image and a French image because we have people in the Middle East and in Haiti using it. Um, but, but, but that part's actually the, the less challenging or interesting part. Um, we get a lot of questions around geographic localization um, around features. Um, of course, there's interesting things that need to happen there. But the more interesting thing is actually not across geographies, but rather across socioeconomic strata in the economic pyramid and the economic distribution. Um, most people in the world don't reside at the base of the so-called pyramid. 40 years ago, the world looked like a pyramid, and so that's why it was coined. And, and since then, billions of people have been brought out of poverty. And most people are actually in the middle of a bell curve. You know, so the wealthiest up here, the poorest down here, but most people are in the center. And 
the needs of people across you know a common strata of the socioeconomic um, distribution uh, are really similar right they're constraints like how does my computer work well without internet right or or you take an example of like a farmer in you know three hours outside of rio de janeiro and a farmer three hours outside of beijing their lives look very similar they want to educate their kids they have food on the table that's not a question they have shelter but their houses look actually very similar. So the, you know, how to fix up my house app, the, the content ultimately is the same content, right? The, the, you know, one may be farming coffee and the other one is farming rice, but the infrastructure around the, you know, an effective farming app is the same. And so what we have done is focused at an operating system and app level on a socioeconomic strata in a way that is also very easy to localize. Now this is this is really an exciting thing. Now you're raising money on Kickstarter for this project. Tell us a little bit about how that's going. Sure. So I, I, um, I, I, the way I usually frame it is we're raising awareness uh, on Kickstarter, um, and uh, so Kickstarter is an incredible platform with a community of people who love to support you know really you know interesting new and innovative things. This is a great example, right? You have been you know been supporting multiple Kickstarters, and you look at this, you say, "This is cool. I want to talk about this." Um, and so really our goal was more around spreading awareness and, and we've been, uh, uh, we, we surpassed the financial goal in about two and a half days. Um, and, but really, you know, so it was a hundred thousand dollars and thank you to all of the people who made that, that possible. And the coolest thing is that it, it the, the click of a share button is, is the most powerful thing we've had. Um, you know, so, so, you know, two measures of, of it, um, uh, in the past two weeks, uh, since the Kickstarter launched, a little, I guess, three weeks, um, we have had over a hundred articles um, in, in a whole bunch of, you know, USA Today and BBC, and you know, but also in in our markets in Mexico, in Brazil, um, and the response has been really incredible. It was our it was our reveal to the world, right? After three years of silence, until we knew the product was right and ready, right, so that we wouldn't be rushed to push something to market because the world was waiting for it. And we said, finally, okay, this is ready. That was a nice uh, unveiling. And the final thing was, um, I thought it was so cool, we got uh, a message from somebody uh, who's, who, who uh, knows about us in the Middle East, in the UAE, and one of his friends at his high school posted to every kid in the high school on Facebook and says, you gotta support this. This person, I'd never met that person, and it was just sort of, here's a little corner of the world that, that's buzzing about us. Oh, that's great. Do you have one on your desk you can show us? I do. So this here is the, uh, the endless computer. Uh, this is the packaging. Um, and so we designed it to be, um, we did a lot of, we do a lot of research about it around everything we do. Um, and on the hardware front, we found that people are no longer interested in having a generic black box. Um, that people want something that is a little bit more interesting and innovative and it pops. Uh, it's actually really interesting to notice also developed world versus developing world preferences. There tends to be a lot of overlap in what is beautiful, but there's actually a big difference in which one do I want, right? Which one is is really going to get me excited? So this here um, is the packaging. We made the packaging kind of, you know, interesting. Um, so this, this is definitely not your uh, old-fashioned black IBM compatible PC. That's it. We want something that when people walk into someone's home, they say, oh, my God, what is that? 
And um, that's what they want. That is amazing. Beautiful. Really beautiful. So uh, what's the price for that? You can order one on the uh, Kickstarter, right? Uh, yeah, so it starts uh, uh, in the U.S. Every country varies based on taxes, of course, um, but it starts in the U.S. Uh, at $169 for the base model. And, and then again, one of the important things uh, to, to sort of to, to uh, present as, as you know, why is it $169? We could have made this a lot cheaper in, in a whole bunch of different ways um, it, from the plastics to the packaging to the specs to, to people want the best that they can afford. And that was what we heard so consistently. And so with each decision, we, we you know, tested in every single way of, you know, how is this the feature? You know, just how do you get a sense of do are you do you actually want that incremental piece? Right. Um, and so what we got to was a product that when we take it there, people say, oh, my God, that's a great price uh, when they see it and experience it. And they also say, oh, my God, I want that. I want that. I'm not just and buying it because it's your, your perception it. is. At $168 or so in the developing world, your potential customers can afford that. Uh, yes. Yeah, so there's about a that opens that plus the internet things that we've uh, done. Those feed that feature set has opened a market of call it a billion people. Um, it's about a billion people in that segment. Um, and future products will make it available to more people. Yeah, that's amazing. Amazing. Well, this is really uh, exciting stuff. Now, I, I want to ask you a couple of personal questions uh, to get at who you are and why you're doing this. But clearly, there are a lot of people who are excited about what you're doing. They, they look up to you as a ro role model, as a, an inspiring example of social entrepreneurship. But who do you look up to? Um. Elon Musk right now, I, 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 I see as someone um, doing the impossible in a way that is um, beyond comprehension in multiple pillars, right? So, so Elon Musk, founder of um, the most innovative automobile company that the world has seen since, you know, Henry Ford, um, the man who decides he wants to take man into space and onto Mars and to do that in parallel, you know, along with uh, uh, doing a solar city. And in, 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 in what I think is so incredible about that is that it requires building the whole thing. You have to learn to launch a rocket into space before you can launch a rocket. You have to build the entire automobile and it needs to be the nicest automobile on the market. When you're selling at $120,000 price point, which is what it originally was, it needs to be something someone is willing to spend $120,000 before you can sell a single one. And, and that gumption and willingness to bet on a vision and then ability to bet on a vision, I think is incredible. Yeah. Really, really, truly inspiring. That, that is true. Now, you could be doing anything. Obviously, you're a very bright, capable person. Why, why do this? Why do something to target serving the, the poor? Uh, this found me. Um, I, I started this not because I set out to solve a problem. I started it simply because uh, a solution presented itself to me. I didn't want to start a company. Um, I didn't want to do this. It was nagging me. It was sort of, you know, this little thought in the back of my mind I, I couldn't get rid of. Um, and 
Um, I saw Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, speak, and he said a really interesting thing. It was that you know, whenever he comes up with an idea, uh, he tries to kill it so he can move on with his life. And I love that way of thinking about it. And the, so I went out to figure out what is the thing that will make this not work. Um, and it was really three months of travel through China, India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, Thailand, seeing the reactions of people like when they saw what we could do for them, uh, there was no question. Like this, this was my life calling. If anyone could feel called to something, I feel so blessed. Um, I feel so blessed. That's amazing. That, that really is the, the, the entrepreneur's sense of a calling uh, to, to do something good is inspiring. And I appreciate you sharing that. Matt, you're getting things done. You're obviously making real progress. This isn't a hobby. This isn't uh, a, a sport. This is a real passion. It's what you've devoted yourself to. And you're you're really starting to notch milestones of success. And everyone who's watching the show is coming at it from a different standpoint. Uh, some are impact investors. Some are uh, you know, fans of Kickstarter. Some are uh, social entrepreneurs like yourselves. There are philanthropists, all, all kinds of different people that are watching this who are interested in what you're bringing to the developing world, but they all have, we all have one thing in common. I call it the greatest common factor. It is a desire to do good. Now, what I'd like to ask you is for one good tip that we could all use for having more impact in the world. The thesis of my, of my life these days is, is a really simple one. Um, the world is a bell curve. It's not most people in poverty. And the bulk of that world's population is in the process of getting technology. Um, that technology can come in the form of a computer. More often than right now, it's in smartphones and tablets. We are, you know, platform agnostic. We're just filling the hole that, you know, no one else is filling right now. But however it is that you choose to deliver a service to that population, oh my God, are there needs that they have. And the, the, I think the, the unfortunate misconception is, you know, people say, I want to build a business. Let's go where the money is. I'll go to the top. And then people say, I want to make an impact. Where is the need? I'll go to the bottom. And it's really hard at the bottom to do that. And it's really hard to feel satisfied that you're changing people's lives at the top. The, the misconception is that most of the needs in the world right now are here. You know, Bain and McKinsey both did studies and said, what are the next trillion dollar trends? What are the largest trends in the next decade? Both of them, the answer is the next billion consumers. It's this part of the curve. If you look at what was the largest startup acquisition in history out of Silicon Valley, it was WhatsApp. Why? Because they had 450 million emerging market users. Yeah. M-Pesa is a currency payment platform that has enabled an entirely new economy and banking and savings and insurance and all these incredible things for a lot of people. And it runs currently 31% of Kenya's GDP. And so my answer to both businessmen, where, you know, young entrepreneurs, where's the opportunity of the next decade? The answer is emerging markets. And my answer to where can I have a difference in people's lives? It's emerging markets. And how could you do that effectively at scale for both 
in that place, it's technology. Yeah. So that, that's, that's my, a really powerful insight, Matt. Very powerful insight. Listen, I thank you for taking the time to be with us today. This has really been fascinating. Everything I hoped it would be, Matt. Uh, will you just take a minute and tell people how they can find you, especially how they can find the Kickstarter campaign and how they can contribute to that? Yeah, if you just Google endless computers, um, up at the top comes uh, the, the Kickstarter will be there. Um, support the Kickstarter. Really, we're, we're looking to get this into a lot of hands. Um, there's there's options to donate it um, that we've added by popular request. But really, what we've built is a computer that um, anybody would be proud to have. And, um, and so whether it's for a grandparent, a child, or because you want another, you know, need it a separate device at home, uh, it's a great computer. Fantastic. Well, thank you very, very much, uh, Matt. It's been a pleasure to have you, and we wish you every success. Thank you very much, Devin. I appreciate it. All right. Let's do some good. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devon hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur, or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devon is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.